was nicknamed Cowtown. In the 20th century, aircraft pioneers such as Clyde Cessna, Walter Beach, Bill Lear began to make their projects and produce planes in this city and gave it its second nickname, and that was the air capital of the world. The place where the Arkansas and the Little Arkansas Rivers meet has been a major trading center and meeting site for hundreds of years as a rich history. And it's at this particular location that several years ago a monument was erected, a statue that stands 44 feet tall and is made of a certain type of steel. And it is literally called the Keeper of the Plains. It stands as a reminder of those that guard and care for the things that are entrusted to them. But this morning I'm thinking of a different kind of keeper. A keeper is one that has the charge or the care of something. He is an attendant, an entrusted partner, or one whose purpose is, of course, to keep. They are to watch out for, they are to protect, they are to ensure safety. We know that the owner of a zoo may bear the burden of administration, management, and the hiring and firing of people that would work in that particular uh, location. But the zookeeper bears the burden of application. He's the one that cares for the day-to-day needs of the animals that are there. It isn't necessary that the owner know how to care for the animals, but the zookeeper, he must know. He must know exactly what their needs are. I have enjoyed playing golf for several years, but uh, the engineer of the golf course, he is the developer that can look at the lay of the land and determine uh, whether this particular site would make a great site for a golf course or not. And then he begins to design the various elevations. And uh, he is the one that designs the course, but when it comes to the operation of the course... There's what is called a greenskeeper. He knows the different species of grass. He knows the different soils and, and uh, how to make it a functioning and playable course. He's the keeper of the greens. The Bible is full of keepers. In Second Chronicles, we find the keeper of the wardrobe. In, in Jeremiah 35 and 4, we see the keeper of the door and the keeper of the gate. In Nehemiah 2 and 8, we witness the keeper of the king's forest. In Esther 2 and 3, we meet Edge, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 36, we enter a dungeon and we find the keeper of the prison. So the term keeper and their job is not unfamiliar to us neither is it unfamiliar to the scripture it's a common term in the word of God and in 2nd Samuel we hear the sounds of war in Israel and David's brothers are thick in the fight with with uh, the enemy the perennial enemy of Israel the Philistines 
And David is commissioned by his father to go and give them provisions and supplies that they will need. And also to uh, remind them of some things, send them a message from their father and bid them farewell in the battle. And when David arrives, he is so excited. The scripture actually indicates that he broke into a run because at that very moment there was a lot of shouting. The battle was being set into array and he came running out onto the battlefield. But it is very careful to mention a few things that he did before he was able to run out onto the battlefield. The Bible makes an interesting statement. It says that he left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. This causes me to pause and to ponder what is actually taking place and what is the lesson that can be learned here because this is the second time that we read about this type of action being taken place by David because in verse 20 the Bible said and David arose up early in the morning and left his sheep with the keeper and now two verses later it says and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage this I believe makes a very applicable point to you and I this morning it tells us that before we can successfully engage in the battles that all of us are going to have to engage in in life. And how many knows that there's some battles that you cannot be exempt from? There's some battles that you'll never be able to opt out of. Before you can successfully engage in the battles of life, you must first properly tend to the burdens of life. Without respect of person, life invokes seemingly insurmountable burdens to all of us, weights, pressures that come crashing down upon us, burdens with their burly hands, they batter, they bruise. And if we're not extremely careful, they will crush our hearts and our minds and our dreams. And it seems that there's no escape from them. Sometimes uh, it's like running from a tiger only to be confronted by a lion and running from the lion only to be confronted by a bear. We, we pray for darkness so that we might hide only to discover that our burdens have night vision and they can actually track us down. So what do we do? How do we face? How do we cope? How do we handle the burdens of life? How do we deal with the burdens that each of us, though they're peculiar to us, we all have to deal with burdens in life. Nobody in this place has escaped the burdens of life. Nobody in this place does not have cares this morning. There's nobody in this house that has not known what it is to be laden with a load of life and the stresses and the pressures of life. And we're all left to, to, to wonder how can I deal and and we're here this morning and we're talking about a God who said that we can cast all of our cares upon Him because He cares for us. So how do I deal? How do I cope? How 
do I make it? And I'm certainly going to turn this in a positive direction in just a little while, but I want to be a realist also and tell you that I don't believe there's anybody that's exempt from what I'm talking about. There's those that I know in this congregation that has suffered sickness of late. There's those of you that have been underneath the load of financial pressure. There's those of you that have uncertainty concerning your careers and your jobs. There's those of you that are in this building that knows what it is to deal with the constant load of of family uh, situations that have not yet been resolved. But I'm telling you, before this service is over, you're going to find that there's somebody that is willing to help us. There's somebody that is willing to walk with us. There's somebody that, that we can turn to in these moments. There's somebody that really does care for us. Paul told the Galatian church that we are to bear one another's burdens. Paul is challenging the church here to come to the rescue of those that are laden and burdened spiritually. Those that are downcast and discouraged and unfaithful and maybe they've grown lukewarm. Those that have become disillusioned and have fallen into the depths of despair. Paul is saying, get under the load with them. Uh, Don't criticize them. Don't stand back and, and pontificate on what they may be going through or what they may be facing. But pray for them and encourage them and help them while they're in their struggle. So many times we join with Cain in saying, as he did of his brother. Am I, Lord, my brother's keeper? And we cannot afford to become, as a church, self-centered, totally self-oriented or self-possessed that we don't help shoulder the spiritual load of a brother or sister that's in need of God's help and strength in their life because all of us have known what it is to feel the comforting hand of another saint of God wrapped around us when we were in need and they prayed for us or maybe it was an encouraging word or maybe we come to the house of God and and our fellow church members gathered around us and prayed us through to a place of victory. We all know what it is to find that encouragement and that strength. Can I tell you that the church needs a strong support system when Solomon got ready to build the temple. The construction of the New Testament, or the Old Testament, rather church, if I could say it that way. He set aside 70,000 men that would be the bearers of burdens. The bearers of burdens. The church needs those who knows how to help somebody else carry the load. The church in this hour also in a sense, needs years of wood and drawers of water just like in Solomon's day. People that will take up the load and that will shoulder the responsibility, that will not shirk the responsibility and say, well, it's not me that's in need. It's not my family. It's not my situation. It's not my problem. It's not for me to worry about. What kind of attitude is that? I'm telling you, if you've got a brother or sister in the Lord that is in need, we need to pray with them. We need to help them. We need to reach them. Oh, come on, somebody. 
cannot just sit back and say, well, I'm just going to worry about me and mine. I'm just going to worry about what I, what I got going on. I'm just going to take care of myself. This is everybody fend for themselves. This is, this is just uh, if you can survive and, and if you can make it on your own. We're just going to, almost like we're in competition with one another. I'm going to tell you, we're not in competition. The enemy is not the person that sets down the pew from you. Amen. But you, we all have a common enemy. We have a devil that fights and resists us every day. It's time we join forces together and become comrades in this battle and realize that if I'm going to be victorious in these last days, I'm not going to do it being a lone ranger. I'm not going to do it just going on my own and trying to figure it out by myself. But I'm going to need my brothers and sisters in the Lord to help me, to strengthen me. Praise God. Nehemiah's attempt to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem the people of Judah shouted the strength of the bearers of burdens is diminished therefore the wall is in ruins that's what they said they said the strength of the bearers of the burdens is diminished therefore the walls is in ruins the result of a weakening in the bearers of the burden the result of the diminishment of the bearers of the burden by them losing their strength. The Bible says that the walls of Jerusalem as a result lay in ruins. I'm telling you, show me a church where nobody cares about anybody else. I'll show you a church that has no protection around it. I'll show you a church that is weak. I'll show you a church that is vulnerable. Show me a church that that has no one to lift a finger to help another and I'll show you a church that is in ruins I don't care how spiritual you think you are as long amen as there's flesh and we're all in this together there's going to be those that need our prayers there's going to be those that are going to need our encouragement they're going to need our strength and they're going to need our help Irregardless of how long you've lived for God, how long you've been a part of the church, we all need one another in this deal. I said you're going to face things where you need God's help. You need God's strength. You need God's undergirding power in your life. Oh, I think you ought to take a moment and respond right now to the Word of God. I think we ought to take a moment and reach up to heaven and pray and seek the face of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. This is not typical for us on Sunday morning, but I'm going to just say it. The pastor ought not be the only one that attends to hospital visits. The pastor, and he ought to, but he ought not be the only one that attends funeral services. He ought not be the only one that sends cards of sympathy and, and, uh, and, and consoles and comforts those that have maybe been through a struggle. It should not be he alone that is in this but we need to know that the brother and sister across the aisle cares about us and that they love us and they're praying for us and they took enough time to to make the phone call or or to pay the visit or to write the card or or to bring a person that is struggling out to eat and say I just wanted to tell you that I'm praying for you and I love you and I'm concerned about you and I want to see you make it I want to see us all make it to heaven isn't that the ultimate goal folks is that we all make it to heaven encounter something that we can't handle alone no matter how tough we think it is 
no matter how. Come on, this is not, this is not the Wild West, folks. Amen. Where everybody's distrusting of one another. And every, everybody's a suspect. No, this is the family of God. I said this is the family of God. And at some point in life, you're going to have or be handed a load that you cannot bear by yourself. The burdens and the baggage of life are so heavy, we cannot afford an air of independence to get a hold of our spirit. And uh, a macho attitude is a dangerous thing, spiritually speaking. I can handle it. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you, you can't handle it. You, you, need, you need a man of God in your life, and you need the people of God in your life to help you and to encourage you. In John Bunyan's book, which was a classic Pilgrim's Progress, the main character, Christian, was on his way to the celestial city, and he had help. If you read the book, you know he had help every step of the way. When he was, when he was getting ready to lose all hope, uh, he was handed a, 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 a big, large anchor off of a wall, and it was handed to him. And this anchor was given to him, and that anchor was called hope. Hope. I'm going to tell you, the Bible talks about an anchor called hope. In the book of Hebrews, it says that it's an anchor for the soul. Amen. I, I would hope that if we're if we ever find ourselves in a dilemma, that there is a church that I can hope is going to be praying for me and helping me and strengthening me along the way. Many times in Paul's writings, he instructed church to bear churches to bear one another's burdens. In Romans, he said the strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. In the book of Thessalonians, he says we are to support the weak. He's often talking about these things. Yet in two verses, just two verses later, after telling the church of Galatia that they needed to bear one another's burdens, notice what he says. He says, every man shall bear his own burden. In other words, there's no contradiction here. It may seem like a contradiction. In this regard, Paul is talking about our personal responsibilities and duties in life. We're called to shoulder them. And we're called to shoulder our share of them. And nobody else can, can do that for us. There's no room for slackers in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? We are to take his yoke upon us. We are to deny ourselves, the scripture says, and take up our cross and follow him. People that stay home from the house of God and justify it by saying they really won't miss me. I'm not a vital part of the church. I don't play any instrument. I don't, I'm not a singer. I'm not a usher. I'm not a leader in any way at the church. I don't teach Sunday school. I don't, uh, I don't have any key role in the church. The truth is they are shirking their burden. Nobody can go to church for you. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to make sure it hits this morning. Nobody can go to church for you. Nobody can worship for you. 
There's some things that you've got to bear your own burden. You can't, nobody can pray for you. Nobody can eat your spiritual food for you. Nobody, amen, can do the things that are your responsibilities and your duties. Nobody can be faithful for you. Nobody can can be faithful in your finances for you. You you can't depend on anybody else in these certain areas. It's your responsibility. Every man is to bear his own burden. There's certain burdens that I can't bear alone, but there's certain things that I have to do. I have to pull myself up and the Lord and trust in Him that He would not put anything on me that I could not bear. That's what the Scripture says. And I've just got to get to the house of God. I've got to once again hear the Word of the Lord speak to my heart. I've got to receive that encouraging Word. I've got to receive whatever it is. Maybe it's correction. Maybe it's challenge. Maybe it's inspiration to go on. But whatever it is, I've got to be there. I've got to receive it because nobody can eat my spiritual food for me. And in every service... There is a need for burden bearers. Amen. That's why we solicit people to come to the house of God and pray early so that God can move in that service. That's part of the bearing a burden that is the church's responsibility. And, and that should not be just on a few people. That shouldn't be on the 20 or so that, that feel the need to do it. But everybody ought to be involved in conditioning the atmosphere around here so that God can move and His anointing can flow. Because I'm telling you, everything that we attempt to do is in vain unless God anoints it. Unless God's blessings on it. It doesn't matter how talented, how skilled, or any of the above we are we cannot depend on any of that we've got to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost or we're all failures you understand that's why it's so important that we pray that's a burden that I have to bear that's not something that I could shirk or I could delineate or I could say well that's somebody else's responsibility that's my responsibility if I'm going to be saved I'm going to have to develop a prayer life I'm going to have to talk to God daily I'm going to have to seek his face I'm going to have to learn how to call on his name let me take it a step further. And when we enter into the worship service, uh, it ought not just be the f- three or four or maybe ten firecrackers that set up towards the front that is worshiping and praising God. It ought not just be the responsibility of a few to come to the house of the Lord and raise their voice and sing and, and worship God and praise God. But everybody, we need to come to the house of God and worship Him because that's my responsibility that's what I am to do amen I can't shirk that I can't push that out on somebody else I've got to do it myself I've got to do it myself I've got to be a worshiper I can't I can't say well I, I don't want I don't want to worship because that's not my favorite song or that's not my favorite musician or whatever the case may be okay this is all about God this ain't about you and your likes this is about God And I will worship him. What was it that David said? I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. He deserves continual praise. He deserves continual worship. He deserves continual adoration this morning. Hallelujah. 
Come on, let's lift up our voices to God. Say something else. We, we don't want to shirk our responsibility in these altars. Come on, sometimes we can be so selfish in these altars if we're not careful. People come down here to pray. Maybe they even need a little nudging in the prayer. Aren't you thankful that somebody encouraged you along? Some of you probably never would have prayed through if somebody hadn't said, come on now, let's pray. Maybe you wouldn't have got that victory if they hadn't said, come on, let's stay here until we get through. Amen. But they stayed there with you and they prayed with you. Come on now. We're going to have to get out of our world. We're going to have to get out of our little four walls and mentality of thinking and start thinking about the people that come and they need to get a hold of God. It may be their only or last opportunity to do so. So we've got to reach out. We've got to, we've got to help them to pray through and to break through that point where they need to. And so it's, it's really incumbent upon us as a church that we pray in these altars one with another. Don't, don't just go and sit down somewhere. Don't go and just fiddle with the babies or balance your checkbook or clip your nails. Come on, let's take this opportunity to Pray somebody through to victory. Pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost. Pray somebody through to what they need from God. It's important. Praise God. You know, it's fascinating to watch the people that say they're concerned about their family members getting hold of God. Maybe God is watching if you ever get concerned about someone else's family. Do you pray for somebody else's lost child? Do you reach out for them in the altar and encourage them? Because God may be watching that. David had the wisdom to know in this particular passage of Scripture what burdens to bear and what burdens to leave in the hands of a keeper. And that's critical. If you're going to win the battles, and we're all at times, we're all in a war, but in times we're in intense battles, spiritual battles. If we're going to win the battle, if we're going to conquer, if we're going to progress in our relationship with God, we're first going to have to balance our burdens with our battles and put our burdens in the proper place. Because there's nothing that the devil wants to do anymore, and I've watched him doing it even as I'm preaching this morning. He gets people so bogged down in burdens of life that when the battle and the opportunity for victory is there, you're so laden and so weakened that you can't be victorious. That's how he destroys, and that's how he pushes people out. And that's how people backslide. They get so burdened with everything. They try to take it all on to themselves. And when the battle begins to rage and it gets intense, they can't be victorious against their enemy. David understood something here. He said, if I'm going to be victorious in the battle, I've got to properly balance the burdens of life. David, before he confronted at that time the greatest, it would be the greatest battle that he'd ever encountered. Yeah, he had he'd fought lions, he'd fought bears, but now it's giants. It's Goliath, who was the greatest battle heretofore. He did three things. 
first of all, the Scripture says that when his daddy called upon him and told him it's time to go to the battlefield, he said, I'm going to leave these sheep that I'm responsible for with the keeper of the sheep. I believe this represents the daily duties and responsibilities of life. And I want to talk about this because none of this that I'm talking about is necessarily sin. None of this that I'm going to refer to this morning is necessarily wrong. Or if I could even go a little further and say what I'm going to discuss this morning is not something that you shouldn't do. Matter of fact, it's your responsibility to do it. We know that men are to be uh, the men, and, and, and in some cases even women, they're, they're to be uh, responsible in their jobs and to care for their families. So we have a uh, man definitely should be a provider and lead out in that area, but we know to subsidize that, men are, or women are also involved, and we have several other ladies that are raising families on their own. And uh, so their, their burden is even heavier. But uh, what am I saying? I'm saying we have jobs. We have careers. We have duties. We have responsibility. Every one of us in this place, we have a certain responsibility. And it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. I, think, I don't think God blesses idleness. I don't, I don't believe God blesses laziness. I don't believe God uh, bless or can bless people that are unwilling to work and unwilling to give of themselves. And I believe that's the plan. That's, that's one of the uh, things that, that, that we came out of the garden with. We're going to have to work by the sweat of our brow. That's what the Scripture said, isn't it? Amen. So that's just a part of life. But even in that, if we're not careful, when we come to the battlefield in, in, in a spiritual sense, when we come even to the house of God, we're, we're still thinking about work. We're still thinking about our responsibilities over there. We're still thinking about things that we got to take care of. We're thinking about all the adjustments that's got to be made on Monday morning. We're thinking about facing that boss again. We're thinking about uh, that difficult employee that is under us. Or we're thinking about that difficult person that we're going to have to deal with when we get back to the house of, uh, or get back to work. And so we're there in the house of God, and we got all these things running over and over in our minds, and so we can't even focus on God. We can't even think about the things of God. We can't even think about uh, the presence of the Lord that is visiting us in the church service because we've never left it with the keeper. David said that if I'm going to make it out there on the battlefield, I can't be worried about you lambs while I'm out there fighting giants. I can't be worried about sheep while I'm out there fighting, amen, in the biggest battle of my life I've got to leave it here I've got to put it in the keeper's hands I've got to trust him with it that it's going to be here when I get back but right now I'm going I'm going out on the battlefield come on there needs to be something in each one of us that when we walk into this place we've left it amen we've left some cares and some worries and some things that are going to be on tomorrow we've left them to take care of themselves and we've said God I'm coming in the house of the Lord this morning with one thing on my mind I'm coming to touch heaven I'm coming to talk to God I'm coming to seek your faith I'm coming to pray I'm coming to get the blessing from you I'm coming to get the strength that I'm going to need for this coming week come on now I'm preaching to somebody in this place 
Come on. Young people get so thinking about school and the assignments and all of that. And I've watched it over the years. People, people, they, they bring assignments to church and, and so and so they bring their the schoolwork in here and they're doing homework and they're 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 doing work related stuff in the house of God. That ought not to be. We ought to give God this couple of hours that we have in his house and say, God, this is all about you. I'm gonna focus on you. I'm gonna get in tune with you because I need you more than I need anything. Come on, you're not going to be able to face the pressures of that job if you don't have Jesus anyhow. You won't be able to make it on that high school campus if you don't have the Lord's help. You won't be what you need to be for God if you don't have his strength. Come on, leave it with the keeper of the sheep and say, I'm going to go on onto the battlefield. I'm going to take up the battle knowing that everything else concerning the burdens, the things that may inhibit me has been left behind. Left it. Isn't that what the Bible said? Praise God. You got to leave it. He didn't bring it to the battlefield with him. He didn't bring his worries and his dreads and his work-related stuff onto the battlefield. You can't bring all that to the house of God and expect to get victory. You got to leave it in its proper place. Generals during the Afghanistan and Iraqi conflicts, the wars that's been going on. They were brought into a general assembly. Many of them were selected to be there. And they were interviewed. And uh, these were ones that had been very successful in leading troops into battle and had been, for the most part, very uh, victorious and had conquered each and at every level that they had been asked to. And the question was raised, how did you do it? How did you do it? What goes into it? And none of them would really reply. None of them said anything. And finally there was one that, that stood up and said, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the secret to success is. It's in planning. And they said, well, we, we figured it was strategic planning. But can you go a little further than that? Said, yes, in our planning we prioritize and we start at the top and we say what the main objective and goal is. That's number one. Number two, what needs to be done. Number three, what needs to be done. And make the list on down. And sometimes there's many, many things that make the list. after I've made the list I go back and I mark out everything from three down where the only two things remain at the very top of the list when I considered that I thought about what she was really saying right she said I'm doing my best to prioritize what is the most important. If, if these two things don't happen, nothing else down here on the bottom of the list matters at all. I'm going to tell you, you've got to do that in your walk with God. You've got to cross out a lot of things and say, you know what? The main thing up here is I've got to be saved. The main thing up here is I can't let anything get in my spirit. The main thing up here is I can't quit praying. 
and I can't quit worshiping, and I can't quit living for God. There's a lot of things I need, and there's a lot of things I want out of my relationship with God, and there's a lot of things that I hope for and I, I desire. But you know what? Above everything, if those, if those things never come to pass, there's something that I know that, that I've got to make as a priority, and that is that I've got to be saved. Does anybody want to be saved here this morning? Hallelujah. I think we need to put that at the top of the list again. More than a raise on the job, more than a security of anything else. I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. And the second thing that David did is he left in our text the carriage with the keeper of the carriage. Then this doesn't necessarily mean a wagon or a cart. Could have been, but it rather indicates baggage or burdens that David was carrying into the battle. He had a lot of supplies and things with him that he had brought from another place carrying him to the battlefield I'm going to just tell you you can't carry the baggage from the past into your present conflicts and expect to be a conqueror you cannot expect to be victorious if you're living in yesterday all the time if you're living in what, what mistakes and past failures or maybe even inflictions of others from, from the past or whatever. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But I'm just going to tell you, you cannot be victorious if you're always looking back and carrying that stuff into your present moment. You've got to leave it and with the keeper of the carriage, if I could say it that way. You've got to place it in the hands of God. You've got to say, God, I'm not going to carry the past. I'm not going to carry the wounds of the past, uh, the disappointments of the past into my present moment. I am going to be victorious. I'm going to go on and have revival. I'm going to see the very best that God has for me. So I'm going to leave this behind. Can you say praise the Lord? And the third, third, right before he went out on the battlefield. But Saul, after he got his permission, Saul said, you know, i got some armament. Why he wasn't using it is still a mystery. But he said, I'll, I'll let you use my sword, and I'll let you use my shield, and I'll let you use my helmet, and my get-up to go out on the battlefield. And he fitted David out on. Now Saul was a man that was head and shoulders above all the other men of Israel. He was a very tall man in stature, evidently. And a big man, a full-grown man. David was just a young man, just still developing. And uh, he hadn't filled out like Saul. And when he put that on, I'm sure the old helmet went down over his eyes. And I'm sure that he sagged under the weight of that armament. And he's trying to lift the sword off the ground. He's trying to hold it up, kind of like a little child trying to hold his daddy's deer rifle up and he and he can't hardly get it up there and he's trying to aim the thing and he's he, he's going and he, he he sees the deer about every five or six seconds through the scope that's the way David felt and he's there he's got Saul's armor on and he he said he didn't want to dis disrespect Saul he put it on because he was trying to honor him but he said, you know what, Saul? I haven't proven these things. And the Bible said he put them off. He said, I'm going to go to the battlefield with God being my helper. 
You know, there's burdens that other folks try to put on you sometimes that you've got to learn how to put them in proper perspective and put them off. Come on. There's some of you in this building are carrying burdens here today that were not because of anything that has in particularly happened to you or to your that are involved you or your situations, but there's burdens that others maybe have have put up on you. And I know that we've preached about bearing one another's burdens, but there is there's some things that you can't do anything about, folks. No matter how difficult, uh, how arduous, and and whatever it is, and how much you try, and how much you you want to get involved, and you want to try to help, there, there's some things you can't do. God's the only one that can do anything about it. Come on. I said God is the only one that can help you. He's the only one that can help that individual or that person. I'm telling you right now, you've got to put it in the hands of God. This is why the psalmist David said later in life, after, after having done these three things, the Bible tells us in Psalms 121 and 5 that he makes this statement, The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. He knew the importance of a keeper in your life. He, he placed the sheep in the hands of the keeper of sheep. He placed the carriage, the burdens of life, in the hands of the keeper of the carriage. He put off the armaments and the burdens that others tried to place upon him. He said, if I am going to make it in this battle, I've got to be willing. I've got to be willing to entrust some burdens in life, amen, to a keeper. And the Lord is my keeper. He's the keeper of every burden. He's the keeper of every care of life. He's the keeper of my hopes. He's the keeper of my dreams. He's even the keeper of my past. He's the keeper of my mistakes. He's the keeper of my shortcomings. He's the he's keeper of my emotional struggles. Everything. Amen. He is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. Oh, why don't you stand to your feet right now and lift your hands to God? You're my keeper. I'm going to tell you, if you don't learn this principle that I'm talking about here today, the devil will ravage you. He'll make a shell out of you. It'll lead on you the burdens of life until literally there's nothing left. Like a cancer. If you don't learn how to properly balance this, you got to put it in the keeper. You know what I learned? I've learned in living for God, especially in being a pastoral leader, is that I can't ride every emotional roller coaster and everybody wants me to get on with them because I'll be so depleted I'm not able to help anybody. Man, so many ups and downs. I used to do that all the time. I, I, I blame myself. I, I, I think, man, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with the church? What's wrong? You know, there ain't nothing wrong with any of that. Amen. There sure ain't nothing, anything wrong with God. This is God's church. This is God's people. Amen. You got to realize, amen, there's some things that only He can take care of. There's some things that only He can deal with. There's some things. We got to keep on believing God. We got to keep on trusting God. We got to keep on praying. We got to keep on worshiping. We got to keep on doing what's right. Amen. I'm not going to let despair and disappointment grip a hold of me. I'm going to put it in the keeper's hands. He's the keeper of my salvation.
I said, he's my keeper. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, stretch your hands towards heaven right now. David knew. David knew. If I'm going to be a conqueror, i got to be acquainted with a keeper. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be a conqueror, you're going to have to have a relationship with a keeper. That's right. What do you mean? made this statement the other day and it's true thank God that a few years ago prayer become more than an acquaintance but it became a dear friend more than an obligation but it became a devotion something I knew I couldn't live without that's how you come and you place it in his hands and say, God, you can help me. You can lead me. You can guide me. Amen. Praise the Lord. I wonder if there's anybody that wants to come meet the keeper here this morning. Does anybody like to step out where you are and come down this front and say, God, there's some burdens I've been carrying that I know I can't carry them anymore. Some worries, there's some fears, there's some dreads, there's some doubts, there's some crushing pressures that if I don't place them in your hands, God, I'm fearful that it's going to affect me, my walk with you. God, and that can't be. That just can't be. I need you, God, to help me. Keep me, Lord care for me, Lord. Strengthen me, Lord. Guide me every day, Lord. Direct my paths, Lord. Hallelujah, because you're the keeper. The Lord is my keeper. Hallelujah. Let's pray and seek the face of God here today. I must be That's what matters most. Oh, I must be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you can keep me, Lord.